always uh, messes with me about this uh, smartphone. So here I am using an Apple phone, <laughs> but I actually have an Android. So here we go. Hopefully this is going to work. Nothing's going to blow up. <laughs> uh, you know, our society has grown accustomed to immediate gratification. You know, that, act that phrase was actually used today. But our society is used to immediate gratification. Uh, you know, due to modern technology, we have just about everything at our fingertips. And uh, even this lesson actually been recorded by one of, that, one of those examples, the iPhone. And so we have everything that we need, but in spite of our modern age and our modern technology, we have a dislike for waiting. You know, life is full of waiting. You know, we had to wait for the traffic light to turn green sometime. Uh, we have to wait for the toast to pop up out of the microwave. We have to wait for the movie to start. And most of those times, they make us turn our phones off at the movies. We have to wait for the plane to arrive. We have to wait for the baby to be born. Nine months, as a matter of fact. We have to wait for our birthday to come round. You know, some of us may be getting to the point where we... We're quite happy to wait, but, you know, when we're younger, we're eager for a birthday to come round. You know, we have to wait for that next event, whatever it is. Nevertheless, life, despite, nevertheless, life is full of waiting, and waiting remains a challenge for us. You know, despite the fact that we have to wait so much in this life, you would think that we would have grown accustomed to waiting for things. But rather, the opposite is true. Waiting is a challenge for us. And it seems as if God knew that because he says many times in the scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, that we should wait on the Lord. And if you wanted to put a title to this lesson, the title is simply Waiting on the Lord. But why is waiting so hard? You know, I think I've suggested one reason already is that we have grown accustomed to the immediate gratification due to our technology, due to where we are in this world. We could turn into our tablets or our phones and we can find out what we want to find out about the things that we are interested in. If we want to know what the weather is before we leave this place, we can check into our phones and find out. If we want to know what the traffic is, where we're going, we can do that. If we want to book our flight, actually, you can sit here in this uh, room and you can book a flight to somewhere you want to go and have confirmation right now. And so we don't have to wait as much as we did in the past. But maybe it may have more to do with our fallen humanity. We are prone to take matters into our own hands. We're prone to follow our own schemes. We are prone to depend on our own wisdom and our own strength. Maybe that might be more of the reasons why we are not so keen on waiting. It might seem as if we have the ability to do what we want. We take matters into our own hands. Yet over and over in the scripture, we are told to wait on the Lord. In Psalms 27 and verse 14, it says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. In Psalms 39, verse 8 and 9, it says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. 
Do not fret, it leads only to evil doing, for evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. And then in Isaiah, if you have that, you can turn to that. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, it says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. You know, that's a passage that might be familiar to us. It's a passage that certainly is one that we can memorize. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. So as we study this concept, as we study this idea, as we study this exhortation, this encouragement of waiting on the Lord, I think we have, you may have three questions, you may have more, but I have three questions that I would like to address in this uh, lesson. What's involved in waiting? Why should we wait on the Lord? And what are the benefits of waiting? And we'll try and answer these questions and make application, and then the lesson will be yours. Just some quick definitions. You know, the Jewish, uh, the two Jewish words, uh, one is kave, C, or rather K-A-V-V-E, and some actually use Q-A-V-B-A. And then there's another word, yakal, Y-A-C-H-A-L. These are the words that are used, Hebrew words that are used in uh, for us to get that translation of wait. And most of those words have this meaning, to bind together. Perhaps by twisting uh, strands as, as, as you make a rope. To look patiently, to tarry, to wait, to hope, to expect, to look eager, eagerly. To wait, to hope, to wait expectantly. To trust. Those are the ideas behind the word wait on the Lord. In the Old Testament, the emphasis is on our daily walk. You know, when the writers were writing, uh, giving these encouragement to the children of Israel, the idea was that this is something that we do, this is something that we should do as we walk with God, as we commune with God, as we fellowship with God, as we has, as we have this relationship with God. He is in heaven and we are on earth and we should walk patiently with Him. We should hope in Him. We should trust in Him. In the New Testament, we wait on the promise of Christ's return. It says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 to 13, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So in a generalized way, we are all looking at the impact that waiting on the Lord should have on the way we live our lives as we walk with God. So it matters not whether we are Christians in this generation or whether we were Jewish people in that time. The way we live our lives as we wait on God should be the same. 
And so we are going to look at what that looks like, or what that should look like. So what's involved in waiting? Waiting involves the passage of time. It's a simple idea. You know, if everything we got was instant, there would be no waiting. And God would have no need to give this instruction. But waiting involves the passage of time. I'd like you to turn to uh, Psalms 130 and verses 5 and 6. And it says there, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait. And in the Lord do I hope, my soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchman for the morning, indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. And the idea here is that these watchmen are waiting. And they're simply waiting, knowing that in time, the morning will come. And they know that it's not going to come in an instant, but a certain amount of time will pass, and then the morning will arise. Waiting on the Lord always involves the passage of time. Time has to pass. But I think if you look at this passage a little bit more, I think waiting involves or means some confident expectation. These men are not just waiting for time to pass. These men know that the morning will come. It says that I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. These men know that the morning will come. And they have a confident expectation that it will come. They are waiting for the dawn to come for the sun to rise, and for the darkness to re be replaced by the light of the dawn. They know that this will happen. Why? I think that moves us to the next point. Waiting involves knowledge and trust. They know that the morning will come because it has been that way forever. And so they have a confidence and they have a trust that morning will come. It is the natural course of things. Every morning the sun rise, rises, and we can count on that based on our past experience. Thus, waiting on the Lord is based on knowing Him and trusting in His Word. The Lord's servant waits even more because he knows that the Lord's Word is even more sure and more reliable than even the rising of the sun. And so waiting is wrapped up in knowing and trusting and believing in the Lord and His promises. If you look at Psalms 52 and verse 8 and 9, it says, But as for me, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I will give you thanks forever because you have done it. And I will wait on your name for it is good in the presence of your godly ones. In Psalm 62 and verse 5 and 8, it says, My soul waits in silence for God only, for my hope is in Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. 
Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. And remember, he starts off that section by saying, My soul waits in silence for God only. And then in Psalm 37 and verse 7 to 9, it says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evildoing. For evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. You know, in this passage, we see God as loving and kind and good and just and powerful. This is the God that we wait on because of who He is. And the, the Lord's servant is seeing that as he writes these psalms. He's seeing that God is these things. And he wants us to be fruitful. And he wants us to have refuge and salvation and protection in him and comfort in him. And as a result, he will have the blessings. He will inherit the earth or he will have the blessings of the land. Waiting involves learning to be content with God's provision and his timing. In other words, we are learning to be content and patient because we are resting in His love and His wisdom for us. You know, contentment and patience, it's difficult for us. For at least a number of reasons. Here are two. They are contrary to how this fallen world thinks. I think we struggle with contentment and patience because that's not the way the rest of us thinks. You know, we want everything, but we want it now. We want the things that we need, but we want it now. And we turn to God, and we look to God, and we expect Him to know what we need and give it to us in the time that we want. That's how we think in this fallen world. But it is also contrary to the ideology of what Satan seeks to delude man into believing. You know, Satan is seeking to tell us that we don't need God for security. We don't need God for satisfaction. We don't need God for significance. We don't need God's wisdom. Our wisdom is enough. We can do it. And indeed, we live in that land of America whereby we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And we do what we need to do because we can do it. We have the strength. We have the power. And that's Satan taking the place of God in our lives and having us think that way. I think one of the keys to being content and patient is the knowledge that God loves us to the extent that he would give his only begotten son. John chapter 3, verse 16. As our Father, He does what is good for us. Luke chapter 11, verses 11 to 13. There is the idea of the man who asks his father, will he give him a stone? No. His Father will give him what is good. You know, there's none amongst us on this world. If our son or daughter will ask us for something, 
Will we do harm or do we, will we do bad to them? God is that Father. He will do good to us always. And He will give us the things that we need. Luke chapter 12, verses 28 to 30. Indeed, according to James chapter 1 and verse 17, in all good gifts, all good gifts, comes down from the Father of lights. So key to being content and patient is knowing that God loves us, that He will do good for us, and He will give us. Not only does He know what we need, but He will give us what we need. And also, He knows us better than we know ourselves. Why? We are His creation. He created us. You know, Isaiah 64 and verse 8 talks about the fact that we are the uh, clay and He is the potter because He has created us. Learning to be patient and content means letting go of the things we think we need in this physical world for the peace and for the satisfaction and for the security of holding on to the Lord. Yea, we rather lose those things and gain hold of Christ rather than gain those things and lose Christ. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4 and verses 11. You know, Paul says this, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And then he says this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So here is Paul. Here's the example that he leaves for us. Regardless of the situation that he is in, he recognized that it is in Christ, it is in God, that he can do all things. And he is living his life, or he lived his life that way. That's the example for us. So why should we wait on the Lord? In addition to knowing what waiting on the Lord involves, we must also know why it matters. So why wait? Because of who God is and what He is able to do, we wait. You know, like the psalmist, we have learned that the Lord is holy and just and sovereign and good and righteous and merciful and full of grace, all-powerful and all-wise, eternal and truth. The psalmist has learned that. If you look at the following verses, Psalm 52 and verse 9, I will give you thanks forever because you have done it. I will wait on your name for it is good in the presence of your godly ones. Psalm 62 verses 1 and 2, my soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. Psalms 25 and verse 5, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you 
I wait all the day. Psalm 39 and verse 7, And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Psalm 62 and verses 5 and 6, My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is in Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. And Jeremiah 14 and verse 22, a passage that we probably may not think in relation to this subject. Are there any among the idols of the nations who give rain? Or who can the heavens grant showers? Is it not you, O Lord, our God? Therefore, we hope in you. There's our word. For you are the one who has done all these things. So the writer of Psalms is acknowledging because of who God is that we should wait on Him. He knows all things. He's all-powerful. And He can do all things. Why would we not wait on Him? You know, David acknowledges, and, uh, and we all should, that through God and in Him, we can live successful lives in this world. So why wait on God? We wait on God because of who He is. But we also wait on God because of who we are and our frailties. You see, man has neither the wisdom nor the ability to direct his own steps without the Lord. And if we acknowledge that, if we come to that realization, we would recognize that we cannot but wait on God. You know, Psalms 52 and verse 6 and 7, it says, Behold, the man who would not take God, who would not make God his refuge, but turned in the abundance of his riches and was strong in his evil desire. And the psalmist is saying, Look at the man who has depended on, him, on himself, who has refused to trust in God. He's evil. He might be rich, but he is evil. And God will cast him out. Psalm 37 and verse 9, it says, For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. In Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, it says, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in man who walks to direct his steps. So man does not know on his own how to find his way to God. God has to direct his steps. And then in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. So it is not in man to find God without God making it known. So why do we wait on God? Because we are frail. Because we are not all powerful. We're not all knowing. We're not all wise. But God is. We wait for Him. So what are the benefits of waiting on the Lord? I think that's the next question that I would ask. What are the benefits? I know what's involved in waiting. I know why I should wait. Well, what are the benefits? Well, how does it benefit me? That's a question that we ask these days in this world. What's in it for me? Waiting sustains and satisfies us. Or at least it allows God to do that. You know, God will sustain us in due time 
when it is needed, before we break, at the right time, in His time. We must wait on God and allow Him the opportunity to do His work in us. You know, in 1 Peter 5 and 6 it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time. Not before it's time, not in the time that you want, but at the proper time. Psalms 145 and verse 15, it says, The Lord sustains all those who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. Yes, of all of you, look to you, and you gave them their food in due time. And there's the idea of the due time. You know, God took care of us in due time. And then Psalms 37 and verse 25, uh, 25 it says, I have, see, I have been young, and now I'm old. I actually think I could say this now. Some of you might still think you're young, and that's okay. It says, I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his descendants begging bread. Isn't that a comfort? You know, God knows what you need when you need it. And God will provide it. That's what he's saying here. So there will not be a time when you need something and your God does not see that and provide for you. And this, this writer is saying, I have never seen a time. I, have, I was young and now I'm old. And yet I have not seen, I have never seen the righteous, those who serve God, beg for bread, nor their descendants. God will sustain us. But in due time, when it is needed, in His time, we must wait for Him and allow Him that opportunity. Waiting strengthens and enables us. And with this, I'd get you to turn back to Isaiah 14, verses 29 to 31. This is the passage that I had you read. It says in verse 29, And he gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up on wings. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary you know in this passage it talks about those who are young and those who are old and it talks about this idea of new strength and I'd like you to think about that for a minute and I will try and talk about that in a second but in this passage there is a general promise those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength spiritual strength for sure Emotional strength. But it, it also seems to indicate that there may be a renewing of that strength. When to some extent it has diminished. And so it is a natural course of things as we get older that we lose some of our strength. But the writer is saying that we will gain new strength. Those who wait on the Lord. And it talks about 
the fact that they will mount up on wings like eagles. Maybe they will rise above the problems that they face in this life by learning or leaning more on God for their strength and protection. And the idea of eagles seems like an uh, unusual uh, comparison. But it is suggested that eagles of all birds in this world, they molt, they shed their wings, they shed their feathers, I'm sorry, until they're old. And that's unusual among the birds. And so the idea is that here is a bird that is able to renew itself, even as an old bird. It's able to shed the old feathers, put on new feathers, and mount up as high as it did before, even in its youth. And so the, the writer is trying to convey that same idea to us. For those who wait on the Lord, we will regain new strength. We will have new strength. Like eagles, we will mount up like eagles. And then he, he talks about the idea that we will run and not get tired. And we will walk and not grow weary. We'll be able to handle the stresses of life without having to run away from it. And we will be able to cope even with the daily grind of this life and not lose sight of God. So therefore we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Same idea as the Old Testament passage. We shall be renewed, those who wait on the Lord. Waiting strengthens and builds character. Turn to Psalms 37, and we'll read from verse 1. So waiting strengthens and builds character. Do not fret because of evildoers, and do not be envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourselves in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. And He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evildoing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. So what is the writer saying? The writer is encouraging. This is the servant of God encouraging us to grow in our character. To not to fret uh, because or towards evildoers. Not to be envious. To do good. To cultivate faithfulness. To commit our ways to God. To do right. To cease from anger and forsake wrath. And to be humble. He's encouraging us to do that. And the reason he says is that we are waiting on God. And what happens when we wait on God? 
we will be exalted. Those who are evildoers, they will be cut off. It says, those who are, those who are righteous will inherit the land. They will inherit God's blessings. So here's my conclusion. God is collecting strands and they're being gathered together. That's one of the ideas. That's one of the concepts behind waiting. Waiting carries with it, or the word waiting carries with it, the idea of collecting strands. And that, that's what God is doing in our lives, I think. You know, there's a story, and hopefully you will get the picture of this story. There's a story... You know, you've been praying for months for the Lord to provide a job for your best friend. You only see one thing. Your friend needs a job and is having great difficulty surviving financially. His unemployment money is running out. And you ask yourself, where is God? Because you've prayed to him. And you know your friend is in need. God, however, is collecting strands. He knows that your friend, we'll call him Robert, needs a job, and he has a plan for that job. But he's also looking at another piece needed to build this strong rope. He's working on Robert. He's been working on Robert for a long time, helping him to learn to trust. And this is an excellent opportunity for Robert to learn about that trust. But he's got another strand in view, helping Robert to learn to manage his finances more wisely. He's also got Robert's wife in view. She's further down the road in trusting God and dealing with finances, but she's having trouble letting go of a fear of trusting the men in her life to care for her since her father was not able to provide for the family. Then there's Earl, who owns a business, and he can really use someone like Robert. But Earl prefers to do everything himself. He says, if you want something done right, do it yourself. And the Lord has been working a long, long time on him to get him out of his self-reliance mode. If Earl responds right, there'll be a job offer for Robert. So far, he's not learning this lesson. Then there's Robert's parents who have to finally learn to stop getting themselves involved in his son's life and marriage. I think you get the picture. You know, our great God is doing so many things behind the scenes in so, many in so many people's lives. It's not just about the job for Robert. You know, some strands we see, we might see Robert, and we might see the fact that he needs a job, but are we seeing Robert's wife? Are we seeing Robert's parents? Are we seeing Earl as part of God's plan as he weaves this rope? Waiting on God is about holding on tight. It's about hoping with expectation and trust 
and knowing that the Lord is not making you wait just to see how long you can stand it. He's a cook with a lot of pots on the stove. He's painting a masterpiece. He's like a rope maker, making a strong rope. You are that rope. So when you know you need, so when you know you need to wait on the Lord, look a little harder. And you will begin to see a bunch of strands that you never knew was there. The Lord is drawing them all together. And when he's done weaving, your moment will come. That's what it means to hope, to wait on the Lord. So God is waiting on us to change our lives and turn to him. How long will he have to wait on you? If you have a need in your life, God is waiting for you to respond as we sing the song of invitation.